Hi, everybody. I'm a compulsive overreader, and I'm John. I'm happy to be here this morning. Thank you for asking me to speak. Um, just to qualify, I, um, let's see, I, I have four and a half years of abstinence. Um, I've lost about 190 pounds. Um, I've got some pictures and a giant pair of pants. Um, so... I actually have a picture of two of my roommates in these pants at the same time. Um, for those of you playing home game, they're 20 sizes larger than the pants I'm wearing right now. Um, oh, thank you, thank you. Um, so, yeah, I had, a, I had a bit of an emergency this morning. That's why I'm running a little bit late. I was pouring coffee over my thing, and it went <laughs> in espresso grounds and water everywhere, and I knew my roommates wouldn't appreciate it if I left it like that. So... Um, so I had to pray on the uh, freeway just to, you know, okay, I'm going to get there, I'm going to get there, everything's going to be fine, nobody's going to die if I don't show up on time. Um, nobody's dead, right? Okay. Um, so, um, what it was like, um, you know, I, uh, like my sponsor says, um, I, I, well, he doesn't say this part, I, I think I was born a compulsive overeater because when I first came in these rooms in 2006, I um, I was trying to figure out, you know, why and when and all that stuff. And I went to my mom and I said, "Mom, was there any time that you noticed I started eating more or anything?" And she said, "You ate a lot of formula." <laughs> and so I was like, "Oh, all right." And then, like, slowly, it's amazing how much I've forgotten um, with the food. Uh, just I remember taking milk and dripping it into the Ovaltine and then letting it sit overnight and form into malt balls um, and like coming back the next day. yeah <laughs> um, and then we ran out of Ovaltine so I started doing it was quick you know and this was like I, I was probably four you know and um, my parents would bring home uh, candy and stuff for the soccer teams and keep it in the freezer and I would just be taking it and taking it and taking it and um, and this was like you know I always thought that I had a very traumatic moving experience when I was about eight we went from Southern California to Wisconsin um, while on vacation and we just went out there on vacation and didn't come back and I was completely separated from all my friends never got to say goodbye to anybody and uh, and then the kids out there just ruthlessly picked on me, beat me up, all that sort of thing. Um, and I just hated it, and I figured that was the time. Like, if you look at the pictures, that's when you can see me getting puffy. Um, and, I was a, and I was a really active kid. I played everything because my parents made me. Um, <laughs> I played soccer, which I actually kind of enjoyed until um, the kids learned how to dribble, go around me. And then I was like, oh, this isn't fun anymore because it's hard. Um, I never liked playing football, uh, basketball, I was terrible at it, I fell down, um, and, uh, but they made me play every year with all the kids who picked on me, and it was, uh, it was really, really bad, and that was not so much when I started compulsive overeating, but that was when I, when it really started hitting me hard, um, because I remember, I remember really wanting to be a ninja, and um, <laughs> practicing my ninja skills to crawl up on the counter and steal cookies. And wasn't that good? Because my mom would hear me, like, clinking around in the tins. 
And uh, if they were plastic, though, mine. Uh, and so I popped it open, and then I'd take the, take the cookies, like as many as I thought that I could get away with stealing without anybody noticing. And I would go and I would hide them in my closet, like underneath clothing and stuff, so that nobody could find it. And then um, it was this weird closet, too. It was, because uh, I was on the top floor, and it was... The roof was at an angle, and there was this tiny little jacked-up window in the back that wasn't quite plumb. And, um, and late at night, when my mom would tuck me in, I'd sneak out of my bed and go into that closet and shut the door and eat. And that was kind of like, looking back, that's uh, it's kind of what my disease is in a nutshell. In this little Tim Burton room, like eating and looking out at the world and not being a part of it, being separated from all that. Um, and, uh, you know, despite being, like, a championship swimmer and BMX and hockey and soccer, all this stuff, I was the big kid in class. And, oh, God, I remember somebody had the brilliant idea of, let's take all the kids in the school, line them up in the, audit- in the auditorium, and weigh them in front of each other. Yeah. And so most of the kids in my class were between 85 to 89 pounds, and I was 99 pounds, and it was the end of the world. And uh, that was where I first learned uh, shame about my weight, because before that, you know, before I moved, everybody just accepted me and loved me, and no big deal. Um, doesn't mean I didn't feel out of place and alone, but, um, but not as much. And then uh, that was when my mom... Um, kind of like, maybe, honey, you should eat some salad and put you on a diet. And she bought me this, uh, one of those great weight loss things. She bought me and my dad matching neoprene belts so we could sweat off the gut. And so I just like wear that around. And I don't know if this is doing anything, but it wasn't doing anything. Uh, it's making me hot and sweaty. Uh, um, so eventually we moved back to Southern California. And, uh, you know, and I was hoping to have the heroes welcome home, all my old friends from grade school, you know, I was now in junior high, and, and uh, nobody wanted to talk to me. So I was very alone, and I remember stealing money to go out and buy ice cream and um, just whatever I could get at the lunch lines, and... Uh, especially anything with the most fat on it. Like, I wasn't really, like, the sugary things weren't so much my bag as much as uh, fatty. Fatty, fatty, fat, fat, fat. That was me. Like, I wanted cheeseburgers and pizza, and uh, if it was ice cream, it was chocolate and thick and, you know, and uh, candy bars and all that stuff. And, um, and you know, it just rolled out of control. And um, I maintained... I fairly, like, I look back at pictures, and I'm like, I look pretty good. Like, I was, like, just a little overweight. It wasn't that big a deal. I remember going to the doctor and him being like, look, if you just maintain your weight right now, you're going to grow, and you'll be fine. And I was like, that's not good enough. I want to lose weight. I'm 14, and I need to lose 20 pounds, you know. And, um, but <laughs> not their exercise. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> I want a magic wand. Um, so, um, 
So I went through high school and into my 20s, um, and then eventually I kind of got tired of, I didn't go to college, I was like, screw college, I'm going to work. And I got tired of dead-end jobs, I'm like, okay, well, maybe school is a good idea. And um, I kind of run out of options and ended up moving back in with my parents. And that is the place where all of my really, really bad food habits, like, are from and so I moved in there and I gained 100 pounds um, and didn't notice somehow because it's really really easy just to be in denial uh, when you're a really good addict um, uh, which is something I'm excellent at uh, and you know I ended up going broadcasting school to become a DJ um, and went off and did that for a grand total of about a month and went, I don't like this. I don't like being in Pennsylvania. I'm going back home. I'm going to figure out something else after spending all this money and all this time. Um, and I was, I was good at it, you know, and I, I was really good at, like, the editing stuff especially. Um, uh, and then just directionless, moved back from Pennsylvania, in with my parents, and just kept putting on weight. And that was when I first kept 300 pounds and didn't see the underside of it until I found this program. Um, and I dieted, uh, you know, like pretty much the rest of us, everything that I could do that didn't cost money. Um, and then I didn't go, yeah, that's never going to work. Because like, those food plants, or the, the, the diets where you have to, like, buy food and microwave it, I was like, <laughs> no, no, because I know that I'll take, you know, four of those as a meal. Um, the me very minimum two is a snack. Um, and uh, so, God, you know, I had, and I had, it, not that I never lost weight. I, well, no, I never lost weight. I just sent it out for reinforcements. <laughs> I would always send it off, and then we'd come back and bring friends. And, um, you know, and the first time, you know, I tried a lot of these plans, it was great. You know, I lost 75, 80 pounds sometimes, and I was the, you know, the golden boy. And, uh, and then it would slowly stop working. And slowly stop working, and then, you know, I would just eat everything and then stop doing that and be like, well, you know what, that really worked for me last time, so I'm going to try that again. And then diminishing returns. The next time, 30 times. And then, boom, back up again. And then I'm like, well, that worked for me. I just have to really do it. And then I wouldn't be able to do it at all. So by about the third time I tried any diet, it was useless. And it's not that the diet doesn't work. It's that I didn't work it. Um, and because I'm, uh, I'm a compulsive overeater. And... Um, the reason I'm a compulsive overeater is not because of, like, all the childhood stuff that I went through. Um, it's because it worked. You know, everybody's got trauma in their lives. I haven't met a single person who hasn't had something bad that happened to them when they were a kid. Um, but the reason that I compulsively overeat is because it worked for me. It made me not feel alone, not feel uh, left out. And, you know, for a short time, I, you know, could just ooze into my couch and just be, you know, non-existent, not feel anything. Um, and uh, so, yeah, and like I, I got married in 2000 and divorced in 2001. And, you know, she, she was on me about this. Like at the time we got married and um, 
there were some issues and she had actually told me that she wasn't attracted to me anymore. And I was like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really, really do this. And I went back on one of those diets and at over 350 pounds, I don't weigh myself. You know, when you, when you weigh that much, you have to have a special scale. And I wasn't going to do that. Plus, I didn't want to see the, the hard, cold number. That's way too much truth for me when I'm in my addiction. Um, and <clears throat> so I, I don't really have an idea of where I was most of the time. Um, but I just remember being like, you know, pushing 400 pounds and being on this treadmill and feeling shin splints and just sweating. And it was miserable. And, and I didn't know what was wrong with me. Um, and in... And a couple of years previous to that, in 99, I found, I met this friend at work, and uh, she was great. We got along really, really well, and then uh, she told me that she'd lost, like, 200 pounds. And I was like, what? How did you do that? Wave your magic wand over me, please. And, um, and she said, uh, you need to get your ass to an OA meeting. Those were her exact words. And I was like, what's that? And she's like, well, you know, 12-step programs? I'm like, not really? No, there's no history of addiction in my family. <laughs> so, like, I'm adopted. So, <laughs> um, and, uh, and she's like, oh, well, it's kind of like AA, but with food. And I'm like, oh, that's, no, I'm, I just need to find the right food plan. Um, <laughs> right now I'm eating a pound of bacon for breakfast. It seems to be working. Um, and... Uh, and she's like, all right, well, if you ever want to, just let me know. And um, and it took me seven years to actually get desperate enough to be here. Um, my, uh, I had a friend who uh, died from this disease because he didn't find these rooms, or at least didn't find them early enough. Um, I just remember uh, I was... I worked out at the Renaissance Fair for years. This guy was a storyteller out there. And, you know, when you're in that community, you tend to, you know, be in that community. And they're your friends and your family. And uh, we were having a going away party for this guy. And I'm like, where are you going? And, like, this just seems so odd that you're moving away. Where are you moving away? Why are you moving away? And he's like, oh, I'm going to Texas because uh, I have a medical condition and I'll live longer. And I'm like... Oh, what's, oh my God, what's wrong? And he goes, oh, I have a bubble on my aorta. And I was like, oh my God, well, how do they fix that? And he goes, you, they don't, you die. And I, then I saw my future. And I was like, oh my God, that's terrible. Um, I'm not going to go out like that. And sure enough, within a year, the bubble burst, and I was singing at his um, memorial. And, uh, and I'm just like, he gave up, man. I'm not giving up. No way. And I was out of fight by then. Um, and so I came up with the best plan, the thing that seemed really, really reasonable to me, <laughs> which looking back at, was completely over the top. Um, there was, you know, so much exercise involved and so much food, like, you know, just all this crazy stuff. And I put it on my blog so that I would be accountable to my friends who love me but don't care. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, they care about my health, but they're not going to be checking, hey, did you exercise? And, um, and, I, and a year later, I had not done one thing. I had so many Mondays of, well, I'll start this Monday. I'll start next Monday. And I could not get one day under my belt. 
And I was like, okay, this year for sure. Because I didn't know what to do. I was spinning my wheels. I didn't know what to do, and I was desperate. And um, the last thing on that list was uh, go to an LA meeting. And the next year, I posted basically the same thing on my blog. And I got an email five minutes after I posted it. And it was from a friend of mine who said, hey, last year when you said that you were going to go to OA, I read that and said, if he can do it, I can do it. And she's like, I've been in program and abstinence for nine months. I've lost 93 pounds. My life is better than it's ever been. She lived in San Diego. I was living in Orange County. And she said, I will come up and take you to a meeting if you want to go. And I was like, uh, 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 terrified. And so I just said, hands, type what I tell you, Y-E-S, boom. And I sent it off. And she, uh, she got back to me and she called me and uh, she said she researched meetings in Orange County, called a couple people she knew. And... Um, and I went and I saw her, and she looked fantastic, and I wanted to date her immediately. Uh, she was like, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> she was like, you get abstinent. And, and, uh, and uh, so I went to that meeting, and um, I heard people talking about food the way that I had thought about food all my life, and then I thought I was alone, and I was like, I'm home. And I thought of something pithy to say, um, and kind of funny, and like coming up with what I'm going to say, and thinking about it, and everything. And I raised my hand, and the truth came out, and the tears came out, and I was like, "What's happening to me?" Um, and then she and I went out and had lunch, and I'm like, I'm "Like, can you go and eat after an away meeting?" It's like, "Well, actually, we have to eat, <laughs> but we don't have to compulsively overeat." And um, uh, and then I talked to her about food in the way that I never shared with anybody. And I could actually literally feel heat coming off of my neck. And I could feel stress being relieved. It was the most intense thing. Um, and then after that, I was like, ah, so good to know. I'm a compulsive overeater. I can't help it. And so I went home and ate a pie. <laughs> and I had, like, literally the entire thing. Because I had so much food shame that there were certain things that I just wouldn't do. And for the next two weeks, all bets were off. And then, um, and then I was like, okay, I'm done with this. And uh, I got a sponsor um, who kind of put me on a crazy food plan, which was kind of really good for me at the very beginning. Um, but uh, I realized it was not for me because it didn't, didn't feel loving to me. And I knew that if I stayed on that food plan, I, I was just going to go back out again. And, um, and so I found a sponsor who... Uh, uh, who I really kind of connected with on a program level as well as on a personal level. Um, and we worked together, and I got about a year and a half of abstinence, and I lost about 160 pounds. And then uh, I got a girlfriend and was cured. Um, and... Uh, is that fine? Okay. Um, so I'm going to kind of wrap this up quickly. Uh, I... After that, I just stopped slowly going to meetings and eventually, you know, uh, said, yeah, I don't need to go to this meeting, I don't need to go to that meeting, and next thing I knew, I was binging again. Um, and then I was like, you know, I, I should really get back to the program. Um, I think I had been out for like six months and put on about 50 pounds. I'd been out for two years and I put on 100 pounds. Like, that's how baffling this disease is, is. I lost two years that I didn't even realize were there. And 
just and in my mind I was in program. I, I went to like four or five meetings over those couple of years. And you know, and uh, and then I had a binge that scared the pants off me. Um, it was worse than I'd ever done because whether I'm eating or not, this disease is progressive and gets worse. And so my spiritual condition has to grow with that. And I was not growing my spiritual condition. And um, I came back into program, and there was this guy that my uh, a friend of mine had said, "You should ask this guy to be your sponsor. He's got a great spiritual program. Ask him to do it." He was way too scary my first time around, but I was in such a bad place when I came back in. I walked straight up to him and was like. Like at that meeting, like just walked right through the crowd, went to him, said, "Will you be my sponsor?" And he was said, "Give me a call tomorrow, and we'll talk about it." Um, he never said yes, but he took me through the steps. So I'm pretty sure he was my sponsor. Um, and and I loved what he taught me is that abstinence is a spiritual condition. Um, this is a spiritual program, uh, and without the spiritual uh, element. My food plan is just a diet, um, so I have to bring God into that, and then I have to bring God into everything. Like this morning, uh, after I spilled coffee all over everything, and I'm racing like doing 85 in my little crappy car over here, and uh, and I'm like, you know what? I just need to settle down. I start praying on the road, and you know, it's just I can bring Him into anything and have Him share that discomfort with me, and um, and. And know that everything is going to be okay. Um, and then going through the steps, um, you know, I'd gone through the steps, the first three steps, many times on my first time around. Um, had done some work on my fourth step, which I went back and read my second time around. Wow. Uh, and then <laughs> my, my, like, red light food, like, somehow ice cream didn't make it to red light. It was like, <laughs> I'm like, really? Because, like, I, I'll, I'll down a gallon, you know? And, uh, um, and so just the honesty and sharing with him everything and calling him up. And uh, I remember <laughs> calling him up after, like, nine months at one point and just being like, I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. And he goes, you know, you should probably start praying. And I realized that that's pretty much what he tells me every time I call him. And I said, you know, there's not a lot of new advice in this program, but we really need to hear it over and over again. Um, uh, so, yeah, I've been through the first three steps many times, um, but until I went through them with him, I hadn't really got them. And then, like, it was like I did the first step, and it was a and like this elated feeling, like it was a revelation, just the way that he had me work the steps. I was like, this is awesome, let's do step two. And I did step two, and we did step three, and uh, everybody, like, a lot of people get caught up on step four, and I've heard a lot of people, you know, advise, like, don't spend a year on your step four, or even a couple of months, like, get it all out of the way, and this is what my sponsor told me, he's like, just take note cards around, anytime you feel a resentment, just write it down, and then, you know, put it into your fourth step, and then you're going to read it to me, and... Um, I think I spent maybe a month and a half or something on that because I did not want to get caught up. I wanted to work the steps. I want recovery. I want it bad. And I knew that I couldn't get it without doing the steps. And, um, uh, and then I, and, and I picked a guy who I knew had a lot of recovery in another program so that any of my, like, overeating stuff would not be shocking to him. Um, and so when I when I gave up my fourth step to him and my fifth step, um, 
I'm not sure he was awake through the whole thing. And he stopped me before I was done. He's like, yeah, it's kind of the same stuff over and over again. Here's your, here's your character detail. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And I'm like trembling. And then, um, and then I went through my next couple of steps, and I got to the ninth step, and I'm like, oh, I knew this one was going to be hard, but you know, don't look forward. Just work on the step you're at now. Um, I guess I need to wrap up. Um, ninth step. Uh, Okay, and that was, uh, was sharp, stinging joy, and I loved doing the ninth step, even though it was really, really hard and took me a long time to finish. Um, but that's uh, that's my time. Thank you very much. Yeah. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Uh, please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Thank you very, very, very much. Um, could you talk a little bit about um, how you came to believe and what your concept is in a higher power? I came to believe and my concept of, of a higher power. Um, interestingly, before uh, a few months before I came into program, I had decided I didn't believe in God. So when I came into program and found out it was a spiritual program, I just looked up and said, <laughs> funny. Um, but uh, that was, it wasn't that easy. Uh, I... I really had and still sometimes struggle with uh, the idea of a higher power. Um, and, you know, the, at first, I, my higher power was uh, the rooms. It was, you know, just this group. Um, and then um, I, I kind of had that spiritual awakening. And I, had a, I actually had a weird dream that I don't want to go into. But it actually kind of went, oh, no, you know what? I do believe. And this is what I believe. And so my idea of higher power is kind of the universe as a whole and that there are um, just forces that push us in certain ways and we go where we're supposed to go uh, if we don't fight. We're going to go there anyway. Don't drown yourself. <laughs> Trying to swim upstream. Just go with it. Uh, do I have a morning ritual? Um, breakfast, generally. <laughs> um, <laughs> spiritual side. Um, not so much. It's one of those things that I've always wanted to implement, but I tend to uh, get up and get, you know, cracking. Um, my sponsor actually got me for a while uh, exercising, which uh, I think you know I'm not really very happy with. Um, but he, the way he looked at it is a spiritual activity. Um, so it's kind of a 10 step. And uh, I did that for a really long time until things got really hectic and then, you know, some stuff falls away and then I need to re-implement it. And right, on, right now I'm at the point where uh, everything is so much chaos that I haven't been able to do it in a while. But when I do remember and I get up and I pray and I read my daily readers and, uh, you know, um, just take some time out for God, my day generally goes a whole lot better. So. Uh, how do I work steps 10, 11, and 12? Um, my uh, sponsor is a 
Bill W. kind of guy. There's two schools, Bill W. and Dr. Bob. Dr. Bob is all through all the steps, and Bill W., if I recall, is you just go 10 to 12, like, all the time. Um, I, for a long time, was doing a 10th step uh, with, uh, with one of my sponsors um, every day, and that just... <laughs> with how busy that I've gotten, it's, it, it was just too hard to maintain uh, doing that. Um, my first time through, um, it actually took me a long time to get all the way through to step 12 because I got to step 12 and then just kind of like stopped for a while. Oh my God, that's good, I'm here. Um, but uh, really, I don't, I'm not sure I have much of an answer for that. I... Uh, having a hard time remembering exactly going through that step as a while ago. Um, sounds like I need to do it again. <laughs> so. Um, can you talk a bit more about making amends? Um, can I talk more about making amends? Um, yeah, you know, it was, it was really, really interesting going to see my part in all this stuff and uh, for instance with my ex-wife um, coming to realize uh, the things that I had done in that relationship that had um, been you know dishonest like purposefully and sometimes not so much but um, first off don't surprise anyone with an amends uh, <laughs> I, I learned that one um, and uh, like make an appointment with them uh, and let them know like I'm in a social program and I'm doing this because I like I was like hey can I call you and she was like why because <laughs> we actually parted on really good terms but we'd seen each other a couple of years previous and she was like you know just seeing you like it's cool that we're Facebook friends and we comment on each other's things but like seeing you like brought up a lot of stuff and she's like I don't know what happened like what I did wrong like I just suddenly fell out of love with you and she's been feeling all this guilt and I was like well let me explain why, and let me explain what my part was in all that, and um, and it was a really, really cool thing that she saw that it wasn't all her fault, um, that it wasn't something wrong with her, and that, um, and it, I don't know, it lifted her, which, you know, for me, you know, it was cleaning up my past, but it made me feel good that I could take a lot of the burden off her as well. And then, you know, going and, you know, making financial amends to an old employer. I drove by his new work with, you know, a fistful of cash for him, and I'd heard all these great stories about people who were like, oh, don't worry about it. I was really hoping. <laughs> and he was like, thanks. And pulled it out of my hand. And I was like, oh, it's good to see you. But I remember, like, sweating and crying and laughing, and, like, it was, uh, it was really amazing. Uh, <laughs> A really amazing experience and like making some amends to my sister. My parents were easy, so I did them first um, uh, because I'm, uh, we have a great relationship. And uh, so definitely doing the easy one first to kind of ease into it. That was, that was my way to go. I think that's it. Tenants is a spiritual concept. Uh, expanding on that. Um, Abstaining, um, let's see here, how do I, how do I explain this? Um, the spiritual program, so I have to have a spiritual element linked in uh, with my food plan, with my abstinence. My abstinence and my food plan are two completely different things. 
Um, my abstinence is bottom line. Don't break that. Food plan is a way to live day to day. Um, so sometimes I go off my food plan, um, and that uh, now I'm getting off, off topic. But and and that's okay. But I cannot, you know, eat white bread and pizza, eat uh, recreational sugar, and um, when I have my meal, all right, here we go. When I have my meal, I uh, I invite God in with me to eat with me, and therefore there's no taking tigers out of cages or anything like that. It is a spiritual time. It's actually nourishing myself with enough food, just enough food to be of service, um, and I can only do that through the grace of my higher power. And uh, with Without that, I'm just eating everything. And if I eat too much, if I eat too little, I will not be of service. And that's actually one of the crazy things now is that food, to me, is a burden sometimes where I'm like, oh, God, is it already lunch? Why do I have to eat three times a day? You know, I kind of don't want to be hungry, um, which to me is a miracle on its own. So I think that I hope that answers. Uh, do I have a favorite program slogan? Um, God, keep coming back. You know, everybody said that to me my first time, and I'm like, keep coming back. Well, maybe. <laughs> you people are really huggy. I like hugs, but I don't know. <laughs> You're not cool enough. You're too cool for me because that's the way it works, uh, one or the other. And but keep coming back and. Um, just actually one day at a time, you know, especially when I was, when I was starting out. Um, and I know these are like the most basic ones, but when I was first starting out, you know, I can't, I could not fathom going the rest of my life not eating some of the foods that I don't eat. And uh, my first sponsor got me abstinent by tricking me. And he would said, he was like, have you compulsively overeaten today? And I said, yes. And he goes, can you not compulsively overeat for the rest of the day? And it was like dinner time and we were eating dinner. And I was like, okay. But you know, nighttime is like my worst time. Um, and so I'm like, okay, all I have to do is get through the night. So I drank a bunch of water and tried to go to bed early. And uh, he's like, then call me tomorrow before you eat anything. And so I called him the next day and he goes, did you compulsively overeat last night? And I said, no, I didn't. He goes, great. Uh, have you compulsively overeaten today? I said, no. He goes, can you not compulsively overeat for the rest of the day? And I went, he tricked me. <laughs> I guess I'm absent. Well, there's no going back now. Um, so, that. And that sounds like one more minute. All right. Tricky. So, you talked about going to the DJ and What am I doing career-wise and how is program uh, changed that? Uh, I used to sit in my room and hope that somebody would discover me. Um, uh, because I'm a, a, a filmmaker and um, I wasn't making anything and was looking at movies going, why don't they hire me to make these movies? It'd be so much better. But I've been doing anything. Um, since I've gotten abstinence in my last abstinence in four and a half years, um, I have moved to L.A., made a bunch of friends, made over 50 short films in the last couple of years, and... Um, and my career is booming. And I would never be able to do that if I was eating because I would be sitting in my apartment feeling sorry for myself and not answering my phone and uh, eventually probably getting a bubble on my own. And, so. and that's it. Thank you very much. Thank you.